0: People show. This is Josh Elliott. Will filling in for Vic Nazar today, off because it's a holiday. And coming to you live from the Kintec studio, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. You can text in 650 650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver, online at DunbarLumber.com. Let's welcome in our next guest. He is Matt Burderam, NFL writer for Sports Illustrated. Thanks for taking the time, Matt. How are you? Hey, how are you? I am doing well. appreciate you uh, taking the time. I uh, wanted to get into some NFL talk from yesterday, and we'll lead off with the, uh, the Sunday nighter. Did you uh, did you expect that that kind of blowout? Like, I, I knew the Niners were legit, but I, I thought the Cowboys might have uh, put up more of a fight than that.
1: Yeah, I think we all did. Um, I thought it would be a Niners win. I picked San Francisco in our SI picks, but I thought it would be a close game. I thought it would be a, a one-score game. The reality is San Francisco just bullied Dallas all over the field. I mean, Prescott looked completely overmatched. And I, I think, you know, the, the enduring message, really, out of that game, if that's the right way of wording it, is I think it's time to just realize that Brock Birdie can play. You know, is he a, is he a top five quarterback? No, I, I don't think that would be an appropriate uh, rating, but is he, you know, top ten? Yeah, he probably is. You know, he's probably right on that borderline, and Dak didn't play like a top ten quarterback last night. Too many mistakes. You know, not just the three interceptions. I mean, just missing guys, and can against the Niners, and if you're going to beat the Niners, you have to be able to stretch the field, hit some throws, loosen them up, then run the ball out them. Dallas just never could do that all night long. Uh, too many turnovers, too many errors. And, and when you play a team like that, especially in their own building, and you make a lot of mistakes, you're going to get rolled. And Dallas got rolled.
0: In terms of legit threats in the NFC, like I think last night was a, was a chance for Dallas to prove themselves, and, and obviously they didn't. But it feels like the Niners and Eagles are kind of the only teams that are – Proving that they are threats to come out of the NFC and, and obviously challenge for a Super Bowl. Uh, the only other team I might throw in there is is the Lions. Is there any other team you would kind of have in the in the tier of like top three to come out of the NFC?
1: Seattle, I think I think Seattle could give teams a bigger problem than they expect. Now that all said, Philadelphia and San Francisco are on uh, on their own tier, and, and it would be. Stunning upset if either one of those two teams lost to anybody else other than the other one. Um, but I think if you're looking at the second class, I'd still put Dallas in that class. I know they, I know they got killed. I get it. It happens. Um, I'd still put Dallas in there with Detroit and Seattle. I think those five teams are far and away the best teams in the conference. I, I, I don't think there's anybody out of the NFC South. I mean, the Saints look they're fine. I, I don't think they're as good as those other teams. Uh, you know, maybe if they got a home game in the playoffs and they played one of them, they could beat them. But um, I think right now you're looking at who's going to be the one seed. Is it going to be Philly? Is it going to be the Niners? They play each other in Week 13. Obviously, that's an enormous game. Um, that, to me, is the real drama here. I mean, those teams are going to win their divisions. Somebody's got to win the NFC South. Do you think Detroit's probably going to be a 3 seed? I I know that's crazy to talk about early October, but when you look at the NFC, I don't know that there's going to be a whole lot of drama. Whoever the last couple of teams are to make the playoffs, who cares? They're going to be cannon fodder for the two and the three seeds. So um, yeah, the AFC is much more interesting in that regard. The NFC, yeah, I think it's Philly, San Francisco, and then everybody else.
0: Uh, it is Matt Verderam, NFL writer for Sports Illustrated. So you mentioned the Seahawks, and we've talked about the Niners. Are the Rams more of a, a legit threat than than you might have thought heading into the season because for me and now they got Cooper Cup back as well like they have been uh their offense especially has been much better than I thought they would be this season
1: yeah you know you got to give them the credit uh they have been impressive they're only two and three but two of those losses came to the Niners and Eagles um yeah Puka and has been incredible and they have played better than you thought I mean even even in those losses that I just mentioned they, they were they were Close games. It wasn't until they got blown. I know they were both at home. Um, but I think the Rams are one of those teams I just kind of referenced that's going to fight for, you know, a playoff spot, right? I mean, you're probably looking at teams like the Rams, maybe the Packers, um, you know, maybe, maybe uh, yeah, I don't know if you want to talk about Tampa or Atlanta. You know, I think those are going to be the type of teams that are fighting for those last couple of playoff spots in the NFC, and the Rams should be there. Um, and, it, it, look, it's probably going to take nine wins. I, mean, I don't think it's going to take ten. Probably take nine. So, if you're the Rams, can you get the nine wins? If you can, you're probably going to the playoffs.
0: Mm-hmm. The other team in that division, uh the Cardinals, uh getting blown out yesterday—or not blown out, but it—it it was a really encouraging performance, I guess from from Joe Burrow and, and Jamar Chase. Do you think that was the yep. beginning of of them kind of coming back, or is that a that a flash in the pan because they're playing a, an Arizona team?
1: You know, I know this isn't this answer doesn't make for great radio, but I, I think you have to wait and see because that game was 24-20 to and the Cardinals had the ball inside Cincinnati's 30-yard line and it was fourth and inches and they didn't get it. And then that game that kind of swung. They also, you know, Dobbs has played okay for the Cardinals. They also threw a brutal pick at the end of the first half that really caught. They were 14-10 in all the momentum and he throws a pick six inside his own 15-yard line. I don't know that I feel like Cincinnati's back yet. Yes, they were better. Burrow was better. Chase had three touchdowns. Everybody can be happy about that. Their next three games, Seattle, bye week, at San Francisco, Buffalo. Like, what are you going to do in those three games? Because if they're the team that we all thought they were going into the year, you'd look at that and go, okay, they should go two and one. Can they go two and one, or do they go one and two? Or 0 3 and I think this game in Seattle is enormous for them, because if they lose to Seattle, I don't think they're beating San Francisco on the road. And all of a sudden, you'd be 2-5, and, and I don't care how good you are, that is a tough hole to dig out of, especially when their schedule's not easy. They still have to play at Baltimore, still have to play at Kansas City. Uh, in addition to all those games I just mentioned, they still have you know, games against Cleveland and, and, and two against Pittsburgh. It's not going to be simple. So uh, It's certainly encouraging, yes, but I don't know that I'm all that jazzed by the fact that they finally put away the Cardinals in the fourth quarter.
0: Fair enough. Uh, the other guy that people are kind of wondering if this was his breakout week and we saw an encouraging performance from him as well in week four is Justin Fields. Where are you? Where do you sit on that? Like, do you think he's, he's kind of starting to figure it out in the first three weeks are not representative of who he is or, have these just been a couple good weeks where he's kind of flashing and then might return to a, to a bit of a norm?
1: I think it's going to end up being somewhere in between. You know, in the first three weeks, you know, they, they played a good Tampa defense, a, a decent Packers defense, and a very good Chiefs defense. And he was terrible. And then they played the Commanders and the Broncos, who were two of the worst defenses known to mankind. And he lit them up. Um, I think he's probably in between. And this is going to be an interesting week as they play Minnesota. And Minnesota blitzes like crazy. Minnesota blitzes more than any team in recent NFL history in terms of blitz percentage. So you're going to get a lot of pressure, and you're going to have to win some one-on-ones with these receivers. And what they got—decent receivers. I mean, DJ Moore had an incredible game in the Week Five. That to me is going to be a test. But look, I think Fields. I mean, there's talent. There's ta- now. Can he harness that and have that good game to great game every week? I mean, to me, the key with Fields, I know he can have really good games. Can he avoid the stinker game? Can he avoid the game we had in Kansas City, with he for ninety-nine yards in a game of forty-one to ten? Like, can he have just an average game that day? You know, I, if he raises his floor, I think if you're the Bears, are really encouraged about that. Look, they they really should be. Two and three, okay? If they don't blow one of the most ridiculous games of the season at Denver, they'd be two and three playing Minnesota and the Raiders the next two weeks, and you'd be like, man, they could get back in the playoff place. It's just, it's been a tough year, but I think Fields, I, I don't, I'm not ready to count him out. I think there's enough talent there that you, you could see him turning a corner if the Bears can just do some things right around them.
0: It does feel though like w- like the Bears are probably going to end up with like maybe the pick that that ends up getting Caleb Williams, whether it's their pick or or the Panthers' pick. What do you do in right. that scenario? Because like I, I know you can't pass on Williams, but what do you do so with Fields? Him. Like you, you gotta. Is there a team like what 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 does a return for Justin Fields look like? I guess
1: depends on how the season plays out. But yeah, first of all, as you said, like you're drafting, right? I mean that. I don't care how Justin Fields plays this year. If you're bad enough, or I guess obviously you'd point out, you could have Carolina's pick and they're bad enough. but you end up with the number one overall pick, you take Caleb Williams. Okay, that kid is, I'm 35, in my lifetime, along with Andrew Luck, the best quarterback prospect to come out of, of, of college, and I guess go back to when I was a kid, Peyton Manning. Um, you, you take that kid. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as Fields goes, it depends. I mean, if he plays really well the rest of the year, and he's on pace for 30 touchdowns. If he throws for 30 touchdowns and over 4,000 yards, I, at, at that point in his career, I and mean, he's still on a rookie deal for two more years, or they could get multiple first-round picks for him. Now, if he ends up kind of regressing and he has a so-so year, you still in, in this day and age, with how important quarterbacks are, you'd still get a first-round pick and, and then some. You know, maybe like a first and a third, something, something of that nature. If I'm the Bears, though, or any team, I don't care who they are, that is the number one overall pick, you're taking that kid. Like, I, I, if you're bad enough to be the number one overall pick, I don't care if you're Denver, I don't, I don't care if you're somehow, you know, the Giants or somehow the Patriots really creative, whoever it is, like, you just take that kid. Mm-hmm. You do twice about it, you don't entertain a trade, you take him, and then whoever your quarterback is now, you just if you have to sit him for a year in the case of like a Russell Wilson, fine. If you're going to trade a guy like a Matt Jones or a Daniel Jones, fine. Um, it's going to be fascinating. It's going to be very interesting here in the next couple of weeks to trade that line. How many teams have a full blown fire sale in an effort to try to get Caleb Boy?
0: Yeah. I wanted to talk about that. Cause you, we kind of mentioned the Vikings and, and they've had uh, a very poor start, I guess I would say to the season, like their turnovers have been horrendous. They've yeah. all their scores or all their games have been one score games. Do you, do you see them as a team, especially now at one and four? Like it's a it's a hard road into the playoffs as a team that could kind of punt on the season, and especially if Jefferson is out for at least a few weeks. Like, could they be a team that tries to trade Kirk Cousins, has a bit of a fire sale, and and hopefully ends up? I don't think they would get the first pick, but it ends up in the top five or ten.
1: They could. Um, I mean, you talk to people around the league, in a sense, kind of is look. You never see a trade like that right? And you never see a quarterback who's good. Get traded in the middle of the year. That being said, this is a unique situation. If they lose to the Bears this week and they're 1-5, I think that's absolutely at least on the table. Now, the question is who's going to acquire them? Is it the Jets? Um, is it is it somebody else out there? That, you know, would, would Belichick make the move? You know, Belichick's in a weird spot. I mean, he's the oldest coach, along with Pete Carroll, in the NFL. And yeah, how many years is he still going to be though? Like Does he want to draft a rookie quarterback and go to... Know, three years of building. I don't know. Um, now, the problem for Belichick is I don't know that the, the rest of the organization would, would make that, would, they, they would sign off. But, yeah, look, I think for Cousins, at this point in time, if you're going to you do out and trade him? again, the market is the question. here. If you look at the teams out there, he's certainly an upgrade over a lot of quarterbacks. But, you know, some of those guys are younger guys. You know, like, for example, Atlanta. Okay, Desmond Herder, who's actually coming off his best NFL game, like would Atlanta trade for Kirk Cousins? I don't know. They probably want to see what they have in Ritter. Um, you know, the Cardinals. You know, theoretically they're getting Kyler Murray back, um, and then they're out of it anyway. Uh, so it, that's the hard part. The hard part's finding that that market form. I don't think they would just give them away. So it becomes difficult. But yeah, look, I think you're going to have a lot of teams, whether it's the Raiders, whether it's the Broncos, whether it's New England, whether it's it's Minnesota. I mean, these teams that are out of the playoff race. You're going to see some of these teams just basically put a for sale sign out front and go, "All right, who do you want?" And you know, well, I think we're going to have more action at this deadline than we've had any other year in recent memory. I uh,
0: hope to see it, Matt Verderam. I appreciate you taking the time and, and uh, enjoy the Monday nighter tonight. Hey,
1: no problem. Take care.
0: He is Matt Verderam, NFL writer for Sports Illustrated. I can follow him on Twitter at Matt Verderam. A uh, lot of interesting questions around the NFL. As Matt mentioned, like, I do think this is the year, or I maybe I'm just hoping this is the year, where we see a bunch of movement ahead of the trade deadline in the NFL. As a Vikings fan, like, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing a Kirk Cousins trade at this point. One and four, I'm out on the year. It's over. I'm done. You're losing all these one-score games, fumbling the ball everywhere. That's not actually a good thing to do in football, if you weren't aware, um, it's been a really tough year for them. And I, I just think it almost in a draft like this, where you kind of stumble out of the gates and, and you look ahead and, not only is there Caleb Williams, but there's a bunch of other good quarterbacks as well who would probably have gone pretty high last year, who might slip a bit this year just because there's so many quarterbacks available. And we'll have to see how the college season plays out. Maybe guys rise and fall. Maybe it doesn't end up being as good as it seems right now. But if you can land a top five or ten pick in this draft and you're a team that's in need of a quarterback, this is like this is the year to have a bit of a fire sale at the deadline. Shut guys down a bit early if you have to. Um especially if you run into any injury trouble because if you can give yourself even a slight shot at Caleb Williams like Matt Verdaram just mentioned, like he is the best one of the best prospects to come out of college football in a very long time. If you can get him on your team, like you are set up for for so long assuming and again like he has to hit his potential but if you're a team like the Minnesota Vikings I think that's a very good scenario for him to walk into as well good receiving core you're gonna have Justin Jefferson there the O-line is passable might need some work on it but it's maybe easier to bring guys in when you have a number one overall draft pick with a lot of hype like Williams I do want to see him go to a team like that though where there is some potential for him to do well out of the gate. Like I don't want to see him put in most like most situations a number one quarterback goes into is kind of what Bryce Young is dealing with this year where they don't have receivers, their o-line isn't that great. Like it's just not a situation where a rookie is going to succeed in. And there might be the opportunity for Williams to walk into a better situation. If it ends up being Chicago, maybe not. We see the issues Justin Fields is having there already, and Williams is obviously a better prospect than Justin Fields. But it's maybe not the most beneficial situation for him to end up in if it does go that way for Caleb Williams. It is the People Show. Josh Elliott-Wolf here with you for Another 40 minutes before we pass you off to Fan Checkdown. By the way, adjusted schedule here on Sportsnet 650 today. Canucks talk coming up at noon, as it always does, but only for an hour from 12 to 1. And then at 1 o'clock, it'll be Canucks Central taking over until 2.30 when playoff baseball takes over. I believe it's the Braves and Phillies today. Um, That series, game two of that series. I believe, going in Atlanta. Uh, again, it is the people show. I want to get into the 650-650 Dunbar-Lumber text line a little bit. Um, So earlier we were talking Canucks. This one from Mariaville Mary. Don't you think this recent trade in regards to the Sam Lafferty for a fifth-round pick is a statement on the Canucks' inability to draft and develop? And I do think that's, that's true to an extent because when we look at the thing that, like the main area the Canucks have struggled to develop in recently has been guys who can fill out roles on your team in terms of finding like a PK center or finding really anybody that can play on your penalty, penalty kill that isn't Elias Patterson. And Patterson can do it. And he's very defensively gifted, but realistically, you probably don't want him spending a crazy amount of minutes there. Even though I like, I've been on the Pedersen should be on the, the penalty kill train forever. I think he's really well suited for that. He should play in a Patrice Bergeron role for this team. I still think, like, for him to pl- play on the PK, you got to take minutes away from somewhere else. And for a guy as offensively inclined as Pedersen is, maybe that's not the best idea. But that is the area that Canucks have struggled to develop the most is finding a guy who can play on the penalty kill. So I do think it is an indictment on not only like this regime, I don't think has had enough time to fully flesh out guys like that. Maybe Niels Oman ends up being that. Dakota Joshua, I know he didn't draft him. Same with Oman. Um, but maybe those are guys who develop into – consistent penalty killers. I know we've seen them on the PK, but like it's, it is a bit frustrating that they haven't been able to develop guys into cheap bottom six filler roles who can chip in a bit offensively, but their main contribution is on the defensive end. And we saw it a lot in the Benning regime too. And that's why you got to bring in guys like Jay Beagle or Antoine Roussel. And you got to overpay to bring these guys in because you have nobody ready to come up and take those roles. And we're seeing it again on a cheaper extent with Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford, where you have to bring in guys like Teddy Bluger and You gotta bring in guys like Pew Suter and and other players that can fill the penalty kill role. Same with on the defensive end, too, like Ian Cole, Carson Susie, all these guys, because you haven't been able to develop any solid penalty killers or any guys who can just focus on the defensive end, and and that is a that is a position of need for the Canucks. It's something they're going to have to figure out. They're going to have to address like their their whole development route, I guess, and figure out how to find guys. And maybe it starts with Pot Colson. Maybe it starts with Akito Hirose. But you got to find guys who are just able to eat up minutes on the penalty kill and and do it effectively while also getting paid less than
2: $1.52 I think it's an interesting balance, though, because you want this penalty kill to be more successful than last year. It needs to be more successful than last year if this team has any hope of making the playoffs. But where do you strike that balance between getting, you know, your best players out there, maybe your best defensive players out there who can get the job done, but you don't want to wear them down. You don't want to see... Maybe a Patterson or a Hughes blocking shots all the time mm-hmm. because you need their offensive upside. But if you put guys that are making less money than what you just put out there on the penalty kill, well, then naturally these guys are probably not as good of hockey players. Mm-hmm. Finding that balance is, is something very difficult.
0: It's tricky. And you got to find guys that you like kind of just take bets on, really. And I think that's what they're doing with Teddy Bluger here. You put him in a more, um, notable role than I guess he had in Vegas where he's gonna be playing more minutes in Vancouver. He's going to be one of the main options, especially on the PK. Um but then again, like you only have him for a year. If he's good this year, you're either going to have to give him a raise or he's going to go somewhere to get a raise. And that that's kind of the tricky thing too is like that's why you want to be able to develop guys because then you have all those years of control that yes you're like they're gonna want raises, but you're gonna be able to maybe Find someone like, like, let's say, Vasily Podkolzin had not hit to his ultimate potential, but had hit to a place where he could feasibly be a middle six two way forward. Realistically, you're probably paying him two to three million, but you would also have him on so many years of control that it, it would make sense to be paying someone that much. And eventually, you'd probably be getting plus value from that. that's the issue the Canucks have had is even if they find penalty killers, it's through free agency or through trade for guys who are UFAs and they just, you either have to pay them too much for the role they fill after a year or they leave because they did well enough to earn a contract somewhere else. And I don't like, I don't necessarily know what you can do to, develop guys into that that's about my pay grade i think um but they have like they've been addressing their development issues obviously they're bringing more prospects in as well i think that's a good step one it's just going to take time for these guys to really develop
2: and randeep kind of touched on it like what they showed friday in what can easily be described as the most ready regular season lineup we've seen so far in the preseason was a step in the right direction was a lot of the things that you know, head coach Rick Tockett has kind of been harping on getting in passing lanes, getting in shooting lanes. They only allowed 18 shots. The penalty kill for the most part, as Randeep also said, did a good job of kind of keeping them to the outside. Thatcher Demko could see pucks kind of coming towards him. These were good signs. Is that, is that all coachable to, to different players, to, no matter the pay grade? Maybe. But I think it's also in part to bringing in people, you know, to the organization that are, able and talented enough to be able to do this,
0: mm-hmm. and that now like that that's kind of going to be the the next thing the Canucks have to address is like you've been able to trade for guys like Sam Lafferty as an example where you trade for guys in their late twenties who are you know are going to come in and they're going to make an impact on the penalty kill you know they can fill that role but now you're going to have to start taking more bets on guys. And we're, we're seeing that slightly. Like they maybe did that with Jack Studniko where it's like, Hey, maybe, maybe he works out and he could be a Sam Lafferty type. And it didn't really hit. Maybe it'll still happen if he gets through waivers and, and spend some time in Abbotsford or maybe gets called up, called back up to Vancouver at some point. But it is definitely to, to Marie's point. It is definitely something that is a statement on the Canucks inability to to draft and develop. And I mean, we don't have to k- keep harping on it. It's something that's been talked about for, for many, many years and will probably still be talked about for many, many years as a, uh, as the Canucks continue to try to restock the prospect cupboard. It is the people show. Josh Elliott Wolf, Ben Bassett, Victor Gauthier here with you for another half hour on the other side. Uh, some news from the Olympics in 2028, Get hyped for that. We'll talk about that on the other side. It is The People Show, Sportsnet 650.
2: The most comprehensive Canucks coverage in the city. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or
1: wherever you get your podcasts.
0: back to The People Show. Josh Elliott will fill in for Vic Nazar today. at 3 o'clock tomorrow. As uh, tomorrow at 3 o'clock, hockey games will be happening. Regular season hockey games. Because at 2.30, I believe it's the Nashville Predators and the Tampa Bay Lightning who kick off the season. Only three games tomorrow. Predators, Lightning, uh, I believe the Kraken and... Golden Knights are the night game, and then the 5 o'clock game will be the Chicago Blackhawks and Pittsburgh Penguins. Connor Bedard's NHL debut against Sidney Crosby. Pretty cool. Sid the Kid. Sid the Kid. Versus the new Kid. Yeah. Not really the Kid anymore, hey? But it's like...
2: Sid the old man.
0: No, it doesn't work as well. Never mind. We'll, We'll stick with Kid. Um... It's always, like, exciting the first day because I'm out there. I'm, like, watching every game. I'm super interested. And then, and then eventually it gets to a point where I'm not as interested in how other teams are doing. And when does that period hit for you? I feel like it's – honestly, it's, it gets later and later every year because recent years the Canucks have started so bad that I'm like, I'd rather watch other hockey games than watch the Canucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally I would say, like, December. December. Right. I'll always have a hockey game on in the background, but I won't be as intently watching as I would be if it's the first week of the season.
2: Like I will be dialed into tomorrow's games because I'm just so excited to watch.
0: Yeah, exactly. Regular season, especially sports. the Chicago game. Oh, for sure. I just want to see, like I want the dart to do something nuts.
2: But on December 10th if Nashville's playing Tampa on a Tuesday night, I w- I will
0: not go out of my way to watch it. There's probably other things I'm doing. Well, Tuesday night, though. I don't know. I don't know if I have anything else going on. Never mind. Uh, It is the People Show. Josh Elliott-Wolf here with you. Canucks season obviously kicks off in a couple days at 7 o'clock. Coverage here on Sportsnet 650, of course. I did want to get into something that's happening five years from now. It is the Olympics in Los Angeles. Are you guys looking forward to it? Are you, like... Are you more into the Summer Olympics or Winter Olympics? This is a great question. Thank you. You're welcome. So,
2: <laughs> I like watching the Winter Olympics more, especially when Team Canada has its hockey team, like NHLers there. Yeah, because Canadian like Canada usually does better at the Winter Olympics, mm-hmm. and that since we hosted the Winter Olympics in Vancouver, you feel kind of a connection and a bond to it. We're more successful, more competitive. So that's kind of a draw to watching that. But I think the Summer Olympics have cooler sports. Like swimming is electric, track and field. Yeah, that's true. It's just like, yep, I really want to watch the Summer Olympic sports, but I like watching Canada in the Winter Olympics.
0: Fair enough, Victor. I think I'm the other way.
2: I will watch any skiing, snowboarding event over the 3,000 meter or something.
0: Hmm. Long distance runs are. Yeah. If you don't understand
2: the strategy, then it's not really that entertaining to watch somebody run in a circle. I don't have
0: the strategy, but I just know I can't do that. I mean, I can't do anything any of these guys do. I'm like, that's impressive. I'm not going to watch you guys do it, though. Good for you. Yeah, good for you. I could never. Yeah. Uh, I think I agree. I like watching the Winter Olympics more, Um, especially like all the snowboard and ski events. I agree are just... They're they're way more fun, especially snowboard and ski cross. Those might be my favorite non uh, like traditional sports. I guess when it comes to like obviously I like football and I like hockey. I like baseball, basketball more. But if I'm sitting down watching the Olympics, like I'm getting pumped for ski cross and snowboard cross. And Canada is also usually like decent in those events too, so that helps. But uh, L A Summer Olympics in twenty twenty eight. They are adding new sports, so maybe this will turn all our opinions, and we'll we'll get more into the Summer Olympics. They're adding baseball, softball, which is like it feels like it should be there. No, it's a it's a major sport. It's a worldwide sport. That should definitely be there. Should definitely be there. Mm-hmm. It will be in twenty twenty eight. The thing is, though, I just don't know if uh, like, because Major League Baseball happens at the same time. Generally, uh, the good players don't go. Cricket will also be happening. I'm surprised that isn't a thing either, because I just I feel like that's pretty worldwide as well. They're getting all the bat batted ball sports in this time around. Uh, Lacrosse, which I kind of get, that's maybe maybe not the most popular. Canada loves it, but if also if Canada doesn't win a gold medal in lacrosse, we gotta rethink some things here. Because that should just that should be us, right? It's our national sport, exactly. And I like I have no idea if other countries are good at it. I know the states are probably decent. Yeah, they're probably good because I like all the rich rich kids go to college to play oh, okay. lacrosse, right? How many TV shows have you watched? Well, all of them. <laughs> they say it happens in all of them, um, but I like I don't know if it's popular in like Europe, you know. Though it feels like it might be lacrosse, feels like it might be a Europe sport. This could be a total shocker, and it could be like, "Wow,
2: Switzerland's lacrosse team <laughs> out of nowhere."
0: Fair, yeah. Honestly, maybe I'm gonna look up the lacrosse men world rankings right now as I I go through the uh, U.S. is better than Canada. Oh that, my goodness! How dare so, they? It's not a shocker though, but we can beat them. I'm sure. Uh, I don't know what this third country is, and I'm sorry. Uh, it's Hadano sani hmm. They're third in the world. Have you heard of that country? It's a sick flag. It looks awesome. I'm not awesome. At the list right now. Uh, Australia, four. Japan, five. England, six. So these are like countries where it kind of makes sense. Sure. Israel, seven. Jamaica, eight. Let's go. Italy, nine. Puerto Rico, ten. Okay, so this could be competitive. I think it's
2: a great thing to have new sports into the Olympics because of two things. One— It'll draw viewership, even more viewership. People mm-hmm. will be like, I played that sport growing up. I want to see that sport in the Olympics. Whether that's, everyone played t-ball or softball. You know, a bunch of people played lacrosse. This is great. You get just an influx of games where like, this is really cool. And it allows different athletes to have an opportunity to compete in the Olympics. I agree. And you get to compete for your country. And for a lot of these sports, baseball is maybe not one of them. And the major four sports maybe aren't them, but... Getting to the Olympics is the pinnacle of your career as an athlete.
0: I uh, I learned what the Hade and I'm probably saying it wrong. Hade no is it is the five nations or the six nations are a confederacy of Native Americans and First Nations people in Northeast North America and upstate New York. So it's not a country. It's a uh, it's like it's a, a
2: conglomerate.
0: Yeah, that's what. That's the word I was looking for. That's why I'm here. So I don't know <laughs> if they would compete separately in the Olympics, but maybe that'd be cool. Hmm. That'd be cool. They're third though, so I think that's really cool. Uh, this one from Reg, if it's field lacrosse, the states are far better than anybody. In fact, I don't think Canada is that great at it. Box lacrosse is our sport. It might be field lacrosse. It is field lacrosse. I mean, okay, it, is, right. it is field lacrosse. Okay, right. then we're we're done. Yeah. We're washed. It's over. Uh, Reg, thanks for the insight, though. Yeah, thank you. Next one is squash. So, this one's like.
2: This is cool, though. This is what I mean. Like, a lot of people play these games. Mm -hmm. They can just, like, yeah,
0: I play squash on Saturday mornings. Yeah. Like, this is sick. This is in the Olympics now. I've always wanted to get into squash. Squash and pickleball. I'm like, that just feels like it's next in my development. Pickleball is a lecture. Yeah. But, like,. Just, it feels
2: like everyone can kind of play pickleball, whereas, like, you're playing tennis with someone, and you're like, you really have no idea what you're doing right now.
0: Yeah, there's such a baseline that you have to reach in tennis for it to be fun.
2: And if you're not good at tennis, you don't feel confident to go play tennis.
0: Yeah. You're not going to go out and like, buy a tennis racket. No.
2: The pickleball court's like the diff- the size of like you and I right now. The, yeah. the distance between not you and huge. I, it's not big. Mm-hmm. You can maneuver your way around.
0: For sure. Uh, I'm like, pickleball is taking over, and it is not in the Olympics. I wonder when that'll get out. It added. will be twenty thirty two. Yeah, thirty two. Sure. Uh, this last one though, this is the surprising one to me. Flag football will be in the twenty twenty eight L A Olympics, and so I get football being added in general, just because it's like it's a popular sport. Olympics are in the states, and like that's their sport, but flag football. Are they uh are they like hey we don't want to get a crazy amount of concussions at the Olympics a lot of insurance we have to deal with or is this just the uh the next sport that's going to take over I think it's got to be a scheduling thing
2: cuz I'm also looking at the baseball and how are you going to turn that around in a month
0: turn oh uh, well, like it's on the same field the, no the entire tournament oh. cuz like with football I see the NFL mean. it's once a week yeah. you need time to recover Mm-hmm. Plan baseball, same kind of thing. Fair enough. Yeah, I didn't even think about that actually. Cause you got to, like, if you were playing full tackle football, like, Olympics are two weeks. You're not going to get the, unless you just do like the U.S. versus other country. You would have to. Yeah. I, and like, realistically, if you were playing real football, like, the U.S. are going to win. I think we can all agree on that. Could do a Ryder Cup sort of thing. Or it's U.S. versus Europe, the world. That'd be sick. <laughs> U.S. versus the world, but then they get I'll so for football. they get so full of themselves, though. They'd be mm-hmm. like, "Oh, the whole world have to are. play against it." Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Can't get worse. Um, I do think, like, because this is happening during the NFL off I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, like, are we going to see Patrick Mahomes slanging it and Patrick or in flag football? That would be so sad. That would be so cool. Yeah. Like, throw into Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. They would dominate. It'd be over. But I wonder if there's would like... Would I think they would. Unless there's different strategies there's involved. For sure in.
2: different strategies.
0: Sure. Not that I know what they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also, at a certain point, like, you're Patrick Mahomes and the rest of the U.S. team. You would just go out there and you would win. They're not going to get you. You're going to win.
2: Well... You know? Nathan Rourke would say otherwise. I'm sure.
0: Well, like that's that's the other thing. Are they like who's going to be playing on these flag football teams? Well, the
2: whole like the, how you play flag football is totally different. Like there's sure less rushing. There's no battle in the trenches. It's going to be a lot of skill players. Maybe other countries have been working on this.
0: Fair enough. You know what? Like, they, they're they in the lab just working on flag football oh, because they knew I it was coming. I would love
2: to see an American team of flag football players, though.
0: Definitely. That Like, that's my thing is I just want to see – because we don't really see the best American football players play together at any point because, obviously, it's not in the Olympics. Pro Bowl is, like, nobody cares. We're seeing, like, the 10th best quarterback play at the Pro Bowl – it would be really, really cool to see. And it wouldn't be the same thing as seeing it if they were playing like actual full on tackle football. But just to at least see the offense from a team full of all stars at the Olympics, I think that'd be really, really cool. So, but they would win for sure. It's a five on five situation. Is just that what
2: flag football is? Just looked up the NFL flag football rules. Okay. Five on five. You have a center, quarterback, three receivers. Okay. Sorry to the running backs.
0: So I know it's sorry, but it's been a t-
2: tough six months for you.
0: Um, so right now, if you were to make a team, and I guess it would have to be a U.S. team. Um, I'm going double Kelsey. Are you are you taking a tight end though? Because I feel like you're just going for speed and agility in in a receiver. <laughs> Don't and you want football. like a little
2: like little route though, just to like, get some yardage maybe?
0: Yeah, but a receiver can do that. Just do a little little curl and you can run. Maybe. Okay, so who uh, are your
2: three, three receivers? We can all agree Patrick Mahomes is our quarterback.
0: Yeah, and yes. right now you're probably going Jason Kelsey as a center. I like it. Realistically, five years from now, he will not be playing in the NFL. Um, so Taylor Swift is not going to the Olympics? No. Well, I mean, maybe. All right. I mean, maybe. I'm sure she would still go. It's in L.A. I don't know. I'm not keeping track. I'll ask my fiance. She'll know. Um, <laughs> Justin Jefferson would be a receiver for sure. Then, like, Tyreek Hill? For sure, Tyreek Hill. And then do you do, like, probably Cooper Cup? Now it's just, like, rank the top three receivers. Cooper Cup, though, is more of a, like, he can he can play the slot. Maybe you get some different routes with him. That's why I like him. Yeah. I and think he,
2: I'd take Cup over Jamar Chase for flag football.
0: Yeah. And you get the deep threat of Tyreek as well. <sighs> oh, my goodness. They would just dominate. It'd be over. What kind of defense are you lining up, though? I think there's there's got to be some sort of rule Like so, it's five on five. I got it.
2: So you got three defensive backs,
0: or two backs and a
2: safety if you want, Hmm. and you—sorry, three defensive backs, one safety,
0: and a rusher. Right. So yeah, I have have Aaron Donald coming at you. It's just (laughs) Aaron Donald against Jason Kelsey out there. Well, I guess they'd be on the same team. Same team.
2: (laughs) Damn. I want to go watch that practice.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. So there's got to be there's, there's got to be a completely different strategy in flag football. Either way, I'm going to be watching it. Going to be very interested in what's going on. Uh 650 650 Dunbar Lumber Text line. Get your text in. If you have any flag football intel, tell us now and we will pass it on. Cuz I'm I I'm learning a lot now. It's 5 on 5. I wonder if it is it a smaller field I think too? you can do 7 on 7 too. Oh, okay. As I scroll down, Now we're getting crazy. It's got to be a smaller field if it's five on five, right? For sure. Um, anyway, 650-650, dunbar Lumber text line. This one from Reg. If the center is eligible to catch, you could use Travis Kelsey as a center. If yeah, you want to get really he, crazy. He's not stopping. Like No, but maybe it's a chip and then he just runs past. Uh... That's pretty cheeky. That's cheeky for sure. You gotta get some trick plays going some on. Some strategy here. Yeah, I'm telling so you. If man.
2: you were the defense, you'd be like, "Okay, fine, do that." I'm gonna put my safety up
0: close. Yeah. Oh man. And I'm assuming you- the center would not be able to catch. But also, like, if you're the defense, you got an even number of players. I don't know. I don't know. I love it. it I am hyped. I'm. I'm actually <laughs> like really. It's gonna be my most watched. Checking event. in
2: five years from now.
0: Yeah. I'll I, like, do you I, remember? Honestly, my life goal now is to cover the flag football event at the 2020 at Olympics. If I don't do it, fail. I have failed at life. Uh, 650, 650, Dunbar Lumber text line. This one, a real football question. Who has been a bigger disappointment this year? Mac Jones or Daniel Jones? Battle of the Joneses. Mac Jones. Mac Jones for sure. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, he has not looked good at all. He's getting pulled Daniel Jones, the thing with Daniel Jones and the Giants is, like, and we saw it against the Seahawks last Monday. I've never seen an O-line so bad like the New York Giants have. What was it? He got sacked 11 times last week, I think, against the Seahawks. Like, that is ridiculous. A semi-confident O-line would not be anywhere near that. So that's why, like, I don't really blame... Daniel Jones for the issues the Giants have had this year sure he could probably be better I'm not gonna disagree with that but I do think Mac Jones in terms of this answering this question has been way more disappointing Patriots need to like they gotta they gotta draft a quarterback again just the expectations
2: for Daniel Jones were so low I don't think anybody's too surprised Well, this year, you got the big contract in the offseason, right? But was anybody actually expecting him to be, like, the guy and take a step forward? The New York Giants were. I think most people kind of knew what they were getting with Daniel Jones, whereas the expectation level for Mac Jones fluctuated a lot. Some people were quite high on him, saying he could be a really solid pocket passer. He has some escapability. Like, he could be okay. He's very serviceable, could be solid. Mm Mm-hmm. And what he's shown so far this season has just been quite disappointing.
0: I feel like Mac Jones is or sorry, Brock Purdy is what people thought Mac Jones was going to be. You know what I mean? Love that comparison. Where he's like, he's not super flashy, he has his moments. And like we saw it last night, he can he can he didn't win them the game, but theoretically, like he played well enough that he could have won them the game. Mm-hmm. They're just so good everywhere else that he didn't have to win them the game. That's what I think people hoped Mac Jones would be in the same kind of style of player. But, yeah, it's just not working there. I also wonder if, like... I also just want to say to that point, though, like, if you gave Mac Jones the weapons that Brock Purdy has, yeah, maybe this would be a different story. Honestly, like, that, that that's what I was going to say as well. And, like, you put Mac Jones in a better situation, maybe away from Bill Belichick as, as well. Like, I know he's the r- best coach of all time. Or at least up there top three coach of all time mm-hmm. it's got to be a lot of pressure to play under him though especially when you're you, like you know who he's taking over for he's taking over for the goat man like that's that's a lot of pressure to come into as any rookie and I just I don't know if he was really set up for success with the team they have there as well to your point and if you put him in a situation like San Fran maybe he is Brock Purdy and he's just getting a little shafted being out in New England right now I think that you look at other major sports leagues
2: and in positions like the quarterback position or a star player in basketball. When someone as great as Tom Brady Lee is, like when Michael Jordan retires from the Bulls, when LeBron leaves the Cavs, there's a period, a long period of suffering and struggle. And the next person to come in can Derrick Rose be that next person? You know, LeBron came back to Cleveland. They were struggling. Kyrie was by himself for his rookie year. Mm-hmm. The shoes that you're trying to fill are so large, and you look up and see all these banners that the expectations are so big, and you want to keep that going. It can get to guys. I'm not saying that it has gotten to Mac Jones, and that's why, but it definitely could play a role. But I think what people aren't discussing as much as maybe they should have to give Matt Jones some credit is the weaponry around him and
0: what's at his disposal just isn't great at all. Yeah. And so I also wonder if he went to a better situation, like, cause they're probably going to trade him after this year, especially if they find a quarterback in the draft. Um, I do wonder if he could go somewhere, maybe back up for a year or two and just be put in a better like spot to succeed. And, and maybe he's just not that guy. I'm, like, I would say I'm pretty out on him, but I could see him getting to a point where he's not going to be anything crazy, but he could maybe be a top 10 to 15 quarterback in that range.
2: Text in before we break here. First coach in the NFL you think is likely
0: to get fired this season. Honestly, like, I don't really – it doesn't feel like anyone's really jumping out. Sean Payton's not jumping out at you? No, because, like, you just gave up all those picks to get him. What do you like? What are you gonna do? You like you're kinda stuck with him. You're you're pot committed at this point. Um probably Staley. Like with the Chargers. Yeah. Especially because I got Kellen Moore there as well. Like it just feels like it's set up for him to take over and the, the leash is gonna be very, very short. But they're also two and two this year this year so far. They're on a buy. Like if they can definitely turn things around pretty quick, but I think if they lose two or three games in a row, maybe he's the guy that gets cut and you just like Kellen Moore take it.
2: Mike McCarthy's leash. I mean, they're three and two. The
0: Cowboys are. Mm-hmm. This is. I, I just think they the defense has still played so well, except for last night.
2: And the week before. And the
0: week before. But like it was so dominant in the first few weeks, though, that it's too early to give up on that. Yeah. Whereas Staley, like you've seen, sorry, two weeks ago, yeah, you've seen the story with Staley, mm-hmm. and so I just think it's a different situation. Honestly, I'm surprised he's still there after the the playoffs. Like that was, and that implosion against the the Jaguars, it was a, uh, it was crazy. It is the people show. Josh Elliott Wolf. Thanks to Ben Bastron, Thanks to Victor Gouche for. Producing this fine show today. Once again, Bick Nazar will be back tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Uh, and thank you for your text 650, 650. Dunbar Lumber Text line. Happy Thanksgiving. I have been Josh Elliott Wolf. This has been The People Show on Sportsnet 650.